What is up, friends? Welcome back. Episode 55 of the Hard Hitting Sports Podcast. My name is Jack Bradley. I'm off to my Zoom screen, as always, my good friend Jordan Lauby. Jordan, how are we doing today? Doing good, man. Just got back from a nice four-day vacation on Long Island, seeing my family over the long weekend, which was good. And everything else is going pretty swimmingly. Had the past two weeks off from football, which has been nice. Um, but we're back at it. Got our last three regular seasons games in the next four weeks, not including Labor Day. So should be a fun one. It's going to be a fun ride. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, cool. Well, kind of get right into it. I know a uh, lot going on um, football-wise, a lot going on baseball-wise. I know since the last time we recorded, um, I know our last episode was the trade deadline, the day of the trade deadline. A lot's changed since then, um, so uh, definitely a lot to go over. Football will wrap up our uh, season predictions. Um, I'll go over a little bit of fantasy things. Uh, and then the NBA, not too, too much uh, schedule drops tomorrow, so looking forward to that. Um, but Jordan gotta, gotta rip the bandaid off here. What the hell is going on with your New York Yankees? Nothing good. <laughs> this team has no heart as of late. Um, I know the numbers since June 24 are bad, but even since, you know, mid July to now they're even worse. Um, we're not playing good baseball. I think having Joey Gallo gone, and I'm not saying he was a factor, but I think hey. it's so funny how we were so great. Even with him on the roster, now that he's gone, we've been even worse. So um, the four main guys who you picked up in free agents or in, in the trade deadline have been absolutely terrible. Ben Intendi has not lived up to expectations, and a couple of the pitchers have not been doing well either. So it's been a real struggle seeing what the Yankees have been doing in the past few games. And it's not like we've been playing tough teams either. We had a rough series against the um, against the Mets. The Red Sox obviously got their second AL East uh or just American League in general, their first uh, series win there, or their second series win against the Yankees. Things are going well there. There's nothing I can explain. They're just not playing good baseball. Like, when you watch the game, it's just like, once they get down, there's no drive to try to get the scoreboard back up. Um, and it, it's it's a problem. Yes, they're still in first in the AL East by a very large margin, but the AL East is getting hot. And even though a lot of teams are at the bottom, like the Red Sox are there, the Orioles have been starting to creep up, this is still anyone's division, especially with how the Yankees have played as of late. I think if they keep this, what their current, their past 20 games, if they stay on pace, I think they end up in second place. Um, really? I, 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 uh, you remind me a lot of myself in the year, in our Lord's year, 2018. Because um, I know the Red Sox had that huge lead on the Yankees. I believe we swept them in early August. I remember the end of the year, or the end of August, we were struggling a little bit. We kind of saw our bullpen issues um spike up and I think the Yankees got it down to maybe five or six games at that point and I really thought if we kept the way we were going we we're gonna end up in second you guys have a 10 game lead and I will say I know the Orioles have been playing very well Toronto and Tampa haven't really taken advantage of what the Yankees have kind of given them with this opportunity I mean yes they've gained some ground I think they went from 14 back to 10 back um within the last you know month or so but uh, I think the biggest thing with the Yankees right now is you guys don't have a true closer. Uh, Chapman has not fulfilled that role. We saw that in this series uh, against the Red Sox. Yeah. Clay Holmes, uh, since the start of July, has an ERA over eight. Um, he's blown a few big games uh, against the Red Sox included in that. 
Um, I know he's had some uh, rocky, rocky performances. Hasn't even been able to finish most games. He gave up three runs. I believe it was to Baltimore. Um, he gave up a few runs in that. He blew that uh, game against the Cardinals last week. Uh, couldn't get it done against Seattle in either game. Um, was hitting batters in that game as well. Like you said, Benintendi since being traded is barely hitting over 200. Um, I know he won you guys that game on Saturday night. Rizzo's hitting a whopping 133 since the start of the month. Um, Judge is continuing to hit. And then when you see with Stanton out of the lineup, um, really not much there other than, you know, really Aaron Judge. I know, um, you know, guys are having a hard, hot start to the season. Um, Donaldson had a hot start. Um, Rizzo obviously had a hot start that three homer game earlier. But yeah, I think the Yankees weaknesses are coming back to bite them. I think they obviously built up such a good lead. I, I really don't see them losing that two seed. I don't see Cleveland, Minnesota, the White Sox really making a run at the Yankees for that two seed. Neither and nor do I see any AL East team making a run at the division. Maybe, you know, maybe they get it down to five games. I think the Yankees hold their ground and, and end up the second seed. Houston is off to the best start in franchise history. I think a lot of people are overlooking that just with how good the Astros have been over the last six, seven years. Um but I think the Yankees, this is the time they got to kind of figure it out. They're playing some really good teams. They got swept by the Cardinals. They blew some games in Seattle and they're playing playoff caliber teams right now. Um, and to lose two out of three to the Red Sox when you really needed to get off on the right foot and maybe get the momentum going in the right direction isn't the direction that they want to be going in. Exactly. Uh, but the team you were talking about, the Baltimore Orioles, you had a, you had a fun stat on that. I'm, I'm curious yes. so, about this. Since June 24th, and this is at, per Jared Carabas as of 11.47 Eastern time last night. So all these teams have played their games using the most up-to-date records. The Orioles, since June 24th, 28-16. and 16. The Rays, 24-21. and 21. The Blue Jays, 22-23. and 23. The Yankees, 20-26. and 26. About to be 20-27 and 27 if they can't figure it out against the Rays after Randy Rosarina just belted a three-run shot. And the Red Sox, 18-28. and 28. So the Red Sox aren't that much better either, but they've been on a downward trend since summer started. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it, it's just not a good look for the Yankees. And I was just running through their score since the All-Star break. They have lost seven one-run games, seven one-run games, and they've been shut out four times. Mm -hmm. I don't think they were shut out four times alone going into the All-Star break from the beginning of the season. I could be wrong, but I don't remember us getting shut out this much at all at any point this season. And I believe three of those shutouts have been, been, in, have been in the past seven games. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and then for kind of kicking it out to the NL a little bit, um obviously the Dodgers uh have you just mentioned it, Joey Gallo I think his record alone this year personally might be one of the best individual player records we ever see in terms of win-loss record for a position player in a season yeah um I think the Dodgers rolled off 12 in a row um yeah, right after in a row. um they lost the other night but they I mean 17 game lead uh this late in the season um over a Padres team that isn't a scrub team you know they're not like a team you see maybe in the AL Central making a push or, um, you know, a team hovering 500. The Padres are a legitimate playoff team as well. Uh, yeah. Dodgers, though, kind of going back to what I said last episode, did not really add much pitching depth, um, really what we would have liked to see them do. Um, and now we get Walker Bueller out for the remainder of the season, is going to need surgery. Um, Clayton Kershaw's on the IL, the 15-day IL. 
Um, so really not much there for pitching. I know Tony Gonsolin, Tyler Anderson have had really solid years and Urias has obviously been good the last few years, but come playoff time, I mean, you get in a five game series and you're facing a rotation like the Braves or the Padres or, uh, even the Phillies. I mean, they all have really strong top three starters. Granted, they will probably have to use their top two or three in a wild card series. So you might be getting somebody's fourth starter in a game one um but in a long you know and i should say a short series um you know the pressure's on you as the dodgers to to really capitalize and i shouldn't really be saying much because like i said bueller has been out for a couple weeks now and they have rolled off this this you know great winning streak um but it is something to look into come playoff time we saw this happened last year in the playoffs um you know the pitching wasn't quite there that braves offense we know what they all do um, and even a few years ago in 2020, I know when they won it all, um, they were down early in some series just because they weren't able to, you know, get quality starts from uh, some of their, you know, back end rotation guys, obviously Kershaw, Bueller, they had good starts in those series. Um, but now you're not going to have those guys and you can't really, you, you can't add to your bullpen, um, you know, at all for or your rotation, even too for the rest of the rest of the season. So that's going to be interesting to see come playoff time. I'm not worried about them losing the division. I'm honestly, I know the Mets are about five and a half, six games back of them right now. I'm not really even too worried about that. Um, but I'm interested to see where the Dodgers are this, you know, two months from now um, when we're heading into the NLDS, NLCS, things of that nature. Yeah, this could be a classic, classic case where we do see a one seed end up losing in the first round, when, or at least the second round when they get through their bye. Um very classic case we see it in all the sports. And this is a team, I mean, they have been extremely hot lately. They kind of lulled in the middle of summer. And then after the trade deadline, they've easily been the best team in baseball. Oh, yeah. No other team that's even close to what they're doing. And I think, Jack, there's something with our show. As soon as we call out a team, they start ripping <laughs> and they start going off. Because I remember you saying that you didn't think the Dodgers were going to do anything special, especially after the trade deadline. We thought the Padres were going to start and climb up and get to the top. Obviously, that hasn't happened yet. Um, the Mets are still holding strong, but they're still nowhere close to catching the Dodgers. And then even in the AL, I mean, besides the Yankees, you know, a lot of teams are just, besides, I guess, the Cleveland Guardians, every team's kind of, and the Astros, obviously, every team's kind of gone stagnant. Seattle Mariners, are, I believe, are at the same win-loss differential as they were when we last talked about them. The White Sox still coasting in the middle of the AL Central. The Twins kind of the same. Um, I mean, the Orioles have been ripping, absolutely playing some great baseball as of late. And that's pretty much it. The Braves are starting to come back. Phillies are coasting right there. They have that sixth seed right now uh, in the NL. So it, this is going to be a wild, wild playoff race over the next 40 days, 45 days, however many days we have until playoff runs. Um, so, yeah. And other thing too, Dodgers, I believe, have the best record in baseball. Or I should say the best win-loss percentage in baseball against teams over 500. Uh, they're 37 and 17. Uh, I mean, you look at the AL East, the Yankees, pretty good, 41 and 32. Uh, Do uh, Astros, I'm sorry, 32 and 18, which isn't that many games uh, compared to some of these other teams. I'm looking on this list. Mets, 37 and 27. So the Mets have played 10 more games against teams with over a 500 record. Um Let's see. I'm trying to even look who else is on this. I mean, you look at the AL East. Everyone has seems to have over 70 games against teams over 500. Red Sox 38 and 47. I mean, that's a crazy percentage of their games. Rays 33 and 36. 
Um, but yeah, so the Dodgers are playing good baseball against quality teams when, when they're up against that proponent as well. Um, sure. And I know part of what I said, you know, catching up Padres potentially catching up to the Dodgers. Uh, part of that was because of the return of uh, podcast friendly Fernando Tatis Jr. And obviously we see what's going on now here. 80 game suspension um, for what is deemed to be PEDs. Um, apparently he had ringworm, uh, took some, I don't know if it was, assuming it was some sort of pill and ended up having uh, a banned substance in there. I so, think it was a cream. I'm not sure if it was a pill. I thought it was a cream. Yeah, it could. It very well could have been for ringworm. Um, but personally, I have a hard time believing that story because they, I mean, as a major league player, you know, you, you have team doctors for this reason. And you're Fernando Tatis Jr. Now, I know he had the injury. I know he's trying to come back as soon as possible. Um, maybe he did take something. Maybe he did. And I'm not saying he did. I'm just a little skeptical of the whole ringworm story. Because like I said, you have team doctors, team physicians for this reason specifically. So guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. are not getting suspended for half a season. And this makes it even worse. because He's going to miss the rest of this season. If the Padres make it to the World Series, those playoff games do not count towards his suspension. Um, I believe I heard it was May 23rd or somewhere around there, depending on um, you know how the schedule works out next year, is where Tatis will be coming back. That's um, so that is pretty much a year and pretty much, what, September 2020 to, or September 2021 to May 2023, almost one year, eight months, pretty much of time where we will not have seen Fernando Tatis Jr. pick up a bat or throw a baseball. That's a lot. That's a real long time. Yeah. And we talk about Deshaun Watson, even if he gets a full season. I mean, that's two, that will be two seasons compared to last year. Yeah, but. exactly. And, and we'll see. It looked like they got pretty close to a decision yesterday on that, but that'll, we'll save that for NFL talk. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we see this all the time with big star pro athletes. I mean, Julian Edelman with the Pats when he was in his prime got hit with the PED uh, suspension. D Hop just got hit with the six game one. Not just got hit, but it's been you know, yeah, it's it's still lingering. It's still going on. I mean, we see guys all the time get dinged for PEDs that you would think would know better. And not not to say anything about education or anything like that, but like if I didn't go play college ball. Um, I would not have known GNC, the store. There are some stores where they sneak extra additives into products. This way they make them stronger, get you to come back. So this way you keep purchasing their products. And that is a very common practice. And it's very easy for an MLB player to say, my recovery is not going the way I want it to go. What can I do? And again, the ringworm could be one thing, but it could be something else, you know, and very easily he could go to GNC and be like, Hey, like I'm a professional baseball player. I'm not recovering the way I'm supposed to. And the store clerk's like, great. I got this product for you. And they slipped something in it. And I'm not saying he slipped it right then and there, but it may got slipped in the day before, or it got slipped in a few days prior, or it came pre-packaged with the additives. So there's a whole layer of this stuff where Tatis truly could not have known what was in it. Yeah. And but at the same I time, it's still his responsibility to go to the team doctors and get the actual products he needs to fuel his body to make sure he recovers properly. And it right now, yes, he wants to get back. He wants to be in there for the playoff push. He wants to be healthy, but in hindsight, he's got another 14 years on that huge frigging deal. He signed last year. He does not need to rush anything right now. The Padres are here for a long time to stay 
as a threat in the MLB, especially now with the addition of Juan Soto. They have Manny Machado there. It doesn't matter who you put around them. They're going to be a team to be feared in the MLB for a long time. And now he's just squandered half a season's worth of games where that could be a World Series run. This year could be a World Series run. So that's two potential seasons you just lost because you were irresponsible. Yeah. And I mean, to even go back a step further to the whole motorcycle accident, I mean, you're on you're on a 14-year, 13-year, whatever, you know, $330 million contract, and you're going out on a motorcycle. That now, again, that's a different story. What guys do in their personal lives is a little bit different. Um, but you could be like Chris Sale, too, falling off a bike as well. So, yeah, exactly. Um, either way there. Last time will be thing I had, just a quick question for you. It's kind of more of just a general sports question. Um, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. I know we are talking about the Padres um, pu- pushing for the wild card. Made me think of this. Do you think – you know, and you talked about a one seed losing potentially. Do you think that these buys, you know, because teams were getting a, you know, about five days off, you know, that weren't that were winning their division, not playing in the wild card game, you know, from a Sunday to maybe a Thursday or Friday, you know, they get a few days off, get recovered. With these three game series, I think teams are going to be getting. I think they said the ALDS and NLDS are going to be starting on a Tuesday and Wednesday with the season ending on a went the Wednesday before. So teams are going to be in close to a week off um, before they start their next uh, series. Do you think that's going to help teams or yeah. do you think that's going to hurt them in terms of momentum that the other teams pick up, you know, playing in an intense two or three game series um, against another playoff gal- or well, playoff team? Logistically, it always helps. Like it, it obviously depends on the situation, right? Like if you're a team that's been hot and you want to stay hot, Mentally, that could really screw you up and that could really take a toll on you and you drop a game or two early. On the flip side, you could be hitting a slump like the Yankees are right now and that time off is crucial to get the mentality back, to get your emotions in check and go back to fundamentals. Like that is super important for a lot of teams, regardless of the physical and injury recovery aspect. Then if we look at the teams that are going into those wildcard games, they might be getting hot late in the season and they want to keep that rolling and they can go bang, bang, bang. Look at the Bengals. I mean, they were what, seven and seven and then made a run to the Super Bowl. I mean, yes, NFL is completely different than MLB. It's a much longer season, but we see it all the time in sports where teams that get on a run late in the year or in the second half of the year do much better in playoffs regardless of getting a buyer. But I will say no matter what place in the season you are going into playoffs, I would always take a bye week rather than play a game or a series of games and go right into another series. There's just so much benefit in that bye week from a mental, physical, emotional standpoint for team health and individual player health that will always outweigh staying hot and keeping on your streak. Yes. No, I agree with that. I think, uh, I think it's never going to hurt to have a bye. I mean, only time will tell how this works. We see it in the NFL, especially when there used to be two bye weeks. It always seemed more times than not, it was the one and two seed uh, playing for the AFC and NFC championship games. Obviously, there were years where it didn't happen or, you know, three of the four teams won um, that received a bye. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting. Teams will be able because obviously baseball is a little bit different. You get to set your rotation. Um, you get to watch some of these series too, see how these managers, because obviously you get to watch the wild card games and how they're managed, but that's one game. You're obviously going to manage one game, maybe a little bit different. I mean, obviously you, you can't really afford in a seven game series. You can afford to throw away, not throw away a game, but you know, if it's not going your way early, you can, you know, 
kind of let your starter ride it out or, or get a long reliever in there. We're in a three game series game one. I mean, that's so crucial. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's do or die essentially from, from the get go, pretty much the, the second half of game one in a three game set. So, um, I think it's going to benefit obviously the teams with buys, but I was curious because we have seen in the past, I always think back to that 2007 Rockies run where they won 13 out of 14 to end the regular season. They won a play-in game. They swept the NLDS, swept the NLCS. And then the Red Sox and Cleveland Indians went seven games and they had, I think nine or 10 days off before, um, playing in the world series and they got swept. Now, granted the Red Sox were probably the better team then, but how much of that was the momentum that, you know, they had going into that. And then they weren't playing baseball for nine days. Yeah. Um, I, I will say when you get late in playoffs, having those, ex- that extra time off may not be beneficial. Um, I mean, in the NBA finals, we saw this year, obviously the Warriors greatly benefited from that time off, yeah, yeah. but that's also a team that consistently was winning a five, six, five game series yeah. where the Celtics went, they got a sweep and then seven games, seven games, six games like that that's super erratic where the Warriors had a consistent trend. Same thing with the Rockies there. They had a great run to end the season, had two sweeps and a playing game, and then they had nine days off. That that doesn't help your team in any aspect whatsoever. And it seemed like the Red Sox, that's the perfect position where you just played a full series and you can go ready to battle and you got that swing going. So yeah. I think deep in playoffs that matters, but at the very beginning, no, everyone gets a reset. Yeah. Okay. Just curious, just want to get your insight on that because it, it's oh, sure. time's gonna tell. Time's gonna tell in the next couple of years. Um, I don't. Hopefully, I think twelve is the perfect amount. I know I advocated for that on this podcast well before they did that. So um, I hope they stick to it. Obviously, expansions and stuff. We'll see. But yeah. Um, cool. Well, let's kick it. Let's kick it. NFL. We got one preseason game for everybody mm-hmm. in the books. I know we had the Hall of Fame game as well, but one preseason game for everybody in the books. Um, I know we were going to do our uh, season preview, season predictor, call it, but I know Jordan wanted to touch base on some fantasy football stuff because a lot of people got some drafts coming up. Um, So we were going to go five sleepers, um, each of us, for your fantasy league. Um, Jordan, how do you want to go? Quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, flex? Uh, No, no flex because we got QB or running back, wide receiver, tight end there. I was – I don't think we need to do defense kicker. So yeah, let's make it a flex. Let's just All make right. it a random. Any, anyone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause de- defense and kicker, like most, uh, not most, but I would say a good amount of people in fantasy will float a defensive kicker. Yeah. Um, I will say if you have a chance, get the Eagles defense, any fantasy league you're in, um, they are looking nasty this year, especially depth wise. So if you're looking for defense, that's going to go later, get the Eagles. So Ryan will be happy about that. So they also have a very easy schedule too. So there's that side of it as well. Okay. Uh, um, cool. What do you think? Uh, where do you want to start? You want to start quarterbacks? You want to mix it up? Start QB. Just go down the list. QB. So. Yeah. So who do you got? I guess. I don't know. Well, I'm gonna. All right. This will be my one homer pick. I'm gonna go Mac Jones. Yep. I'm gonna go Mac Jones because I know he didn't win Offensive Rookie of the Year last year, but he was definitely a finalist. I think he was in the top three. Um, they say he's looking really good in camp this year. He's lost some weight. He's had another year to focus. He, he pretty much has the same receiving core with Devonte Parker added in Nikhil Harry, thankfully gone. Um, I know him and Kendrick Bourne have built a good relationship to Kobe Myers. I think a lot of people I know in new England are thinking perennial pro bowler. Maybe I don't know what the talent um, of AFC wide receivers that we have, 
but he has another year under his belt. He gets another connection, you know, more time to work with guys like Hunter Henry, maybe John who Smith's factored into it. I know James white just retired. And I think that was going to be a good, um, a good ad for him, but, and real honesty, I think Mac Jones, not saying he's going to be a top five fantasy quarterback, but I'm thinking he could be, if you're in a 12 team league, low end QB one high end QB two, um, and a good value pick, you know, in very, very, very late rounds. Cause he's probably not going to really go in that top 10, top 12 rounds. No shot. No shot. Um, I actually had, he's one of, I put out a blog for a fantasy outlook. He's actually my biggest uh, boomer for QBs. Um, I think he's the guy you got to get. If you want that elite QB who will give you a push to the playoffs so you can get late. Uh, Mac Jones is that guy. So I, I put him more of a boomer than a sleeper, but still either way, I think him as a sleeper option is great because he's not even a top 20 QB in most fantasy formats. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think it's a great pick. Um, in my blog, I'm going to go a little bit different than what I put in the blog just because I don't want to be repetitive. So my second QB sleeper is Jameis Winston. He has all the weapons in the world that you need. Trevor Penning wasn't great in his preseason debut. He was a great run blocker. He actually got the highest run blocking grade in the entire league, but the worst pass blocking grade. So if he works on his pass blocking, he'll be okay. But just the weapons alone are intriguing enough. Michael Thomas has had an awesome camp. He looks even more explosive than he did right before his injury. You have Jarvis Landry in there who's going to be a solid slot receiver. Then Crystal Lave, who can take the top off any defense whatsoever, no matter where you line him up. It's just, you have such great weapons. You have a clean route runner like Michael Thomas. You have Jarvis, who's one of the best possession slot receivers in the league. And then a young rookie who's hungry, Olave, to get playing time and who can burn anyone. And then that's not even mentioning Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield. Um, you got Jawan Johnson as a backup tight end who can flex in and make plays here and there. So Saints have a lot of good options on that offense, and that defense is going to keep that offense on the field more often than not to give Jameis as many opportunities as possible. So if you have Jameis, um, who's, I think, believe he's ranked 23rd on ESPN for QBs, that's a guy who's a 100% sleeper opportunity. And how he played last year before his injury, people should be looking at the chops to get Jameis on the roster. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, I may have interpreted your question a little bit wrong because I just had one at each of the four positions. Yeah, same. Oh, okay. So Jameis was your second. Gotcha. Yeah, so in my personal, he was gotcha. my second. But okay. I don't I don't remember. I was like, Trevor Lawrence was my main one, but I'm not going to repeat what I said in the blog. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, let's see. Running back, I guess, makes the most sense next. Yep. Um, I got uh, – I hope Mitch Leonard does not hear this. I've got A.J. Dillon. Uh, he didn't realize he ran for 800 yards last year um, and almost got 200 attempts. I think he's going to be a big factor because I think the Packers this year, you might see a lot of two back sets. Um, Aaron Jones, I know is pretty high fantasy. I know he's like a second round guy this year. I think he's going to catch a lot of passes. He's one of the better pass catching uh, running backs in this league, but I think that's going to open a lot of opportunity for AJ Dillon um, to be kind of like uh running like an rb1 for the packers um an offense that doesn't really have too many weapons kind of gives me maybe not as fast but more of a goal line back kind of a little mix of nick chubb derrick henry a little bit so um i don't know i i I think he's gonna have a good year he's going i think in a lot of leagues in like the seventh round or so um depending if you're 10 or 12 team uh seventh to ninth round um so i think he has really good value especially last year he was a starting running back in fantasy um come playoff time Mm -hmm. 
For sure. I love that pick. A.J. Dillon is just such an interesting prospect because we know how good Aaron Jones is, but just the young prospect of A.J. Dillon, he's just a slower Derrick Henry. Same size, same build, same ability to run through guys, Uh, and he can make guys miss in space with his jump cuts. So just a nasty running back there. I'm going to go Chase Edmonds. I'm going to be somewhat of a homer. He's in Miami now in that Mike McDaniel offense that uses a lot of different looks with a lot of different motions and putting guys in uncomfortable, not uncomfortable, but unfamiliar spots that they're not used to. Obviously, we start with Debo. We might see Tyreek or Jalen Waddle in the backfield this year on the Dolphins, which would be neat. But Chase Edmonds right now is ranked 31 on average across all fantasy leaderboards. Um, this is a guy who could easily finish as a top 20 back, if not a top 15. He is deadly out of the backfield, and if not for a couple injuries last year, honestly might have been the better fantasy back for the Cardinals um, if he had stayed healthy, because James Conner has scored a bunch of touchdowns while he was out. I believe he had a game where he scored three or four um, against the 49ers when Chase Edmonds was out and he was the main receiving back. If Edmonds gets those touches, I mean, that's a whole different ball game. He looks much better last year and coming into this year. But yeah, Tua, who has in camp shown he can sling the rock deep. He's just never had the opportunity to in games. Um, but two speedy receivers in Waddle and Hill. You get Mike Gusecki, a big body possession tight end who can go across the middle of the field or on out routes. Cedric Wilson, who's a very good complimentary receiver, is a number three option. And Chase Edmonds coming out of the backfield. Everyone's worried Raheem Mostert will take snaps from him. Homie hasn't played in two years. And besides a playoff run, he hasn't been anything special in his NFL career. I like that. I like that a lot. I think I think the Dolphins' the offense is very confusing this year. I know Tyreek's still, again, mid-second round pick. Um, it's going to be in a different offense. So, uh, and Tyreek's a big boom bust guy. So I think the Dolphins offense, it gives me a lot of, uh, similar vibes to old Patriots offenses where you don't know who the guy's going to be that week. Um, but I think Chase Edmonds is a good sleeper pick for, for the value again, um, as well. Um, wide receiver, Jordan, I know, you know, I've been big on this guy for a while now. Gotta go Darnell Mooney. Yes, sir. Uh, 140 targets last year. He only had 81 catches on that. That's that was 13th in football tied. Or I should say tied for 12th with Jalen Waddle, um, who you were just talking about. And I know Allen Robinson didn't play a full season, um, but that still was with Allen Robinson on the team and with guys like Justin Fields, Nick Foles. Um, who else? Someone else Andy started. Dalton Dalton. So um, and I think Andy Dalton had a better connection with him than Justin Fields. I think that will change this year, similar to Mac Jones. I think we're going to see a big progression from Justin Fields as well. Um, and I think Darnell Mooney, those 140 targets are going to turn into a little bit, probably more um, just because the bears now Nikhil Harry injured a Rob officially gone. They didn't really add much at all. They didn't really draft anyone sign anybody in the receiving core. Cole Komet maybe will have a good year, maybe another sleeper. He's not my tight end sleeper, but Mooney, I mean, he's, he can line up in the backfield as well. Um, he had two rushing touchdowns last year, only six rush attempts. Maybe he tries to play a little bit more of a Debo role um, just with how lackluster that offense really is other than David Montgomery really being only their other option. So I'm expecting a big year. I know ESPN has him as like wide receiver 26 um, in a 12 team league. That's a high end three flex position. I think he really is this year going to jump up into that high-end wide receiver two, potentially low-end wide receiver one of him and Fields can really have that connection. Yeah, Mooney was actually my sleeper on my main list. And also running back Rashad Penny, that's another one worth mentioning. Um, yeah. um, just with how 
unpredictable that Seahawks offense is going to be with the QB drama going up, not drama, but the lemma they have. Um, but 100% agree. Darnell Mooney, I think, is going to pop off. This is a guy who could easily get 1,200 to 1,300 receiving yards. His yak ability is stupid. Like you said, line up anywhere, backfield, slot, out wide, tight to the line. You put him wherever. He's got the speed and the route running ability to get by anybody on any defense. So this is a guy who's going to get a lot of targets. And in fantasy, especially in PPR, targets mean points, regardless of if they catch the ball or not. Because if they get targeted enough, they're going to come in and make catches. Deontay Johnson got targeted 166 times last year, finished as a top 12 fantasy receiver. And this is a guy who before last season was a mediocre receiver at best had a lot of drops didn't have a lot of yards or touchdowns before last season so that's a guy who could be a freak darnell moody is going to be really solid this year yeah. um i'm going to go with the rookie for my rookie list i picked george pickens for my sleeper receiver i believe i picked omon ross st brown i think he's going to be really solid I like so i'm going to go with another rookie for my sleeper Sky Moore for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's floating around 45 to 50 in most rankings. This is a guy who has Tyreek Hill-like ability. He can line up in the slot, line out wide. He's a former defensive back. And if anyone knows anything about defensive backs, you have to have some of the best mentality to just forget a play and move on to the next one and still have the swag to back it up. This is a guy who has all of that and now has the footwork of a receiver. He has the hands of a receiver. He's going to be the focal point in that offense because Juju's good. I don't think he's a true number one receiver. Marcus Valdez-Scantley can take the top off defenses, but that's about it. They're going to go to Sky more than any other receiver in this offense, and he should last until the seventh or eighth round. I would scoop him up even if he drops past that. Um, even if you're in the sixth round, too, if you're looking for a receiver and some of the guys at the top, like Kadarius Tony's got some injury troubles, Robert Woods, has some injury bugs. Traylon Burks not looking good through in camp. Uh, Hunter Renfro has some competition for targets he's going against. Sky Moore is going to be there. He might be the guy you want to take a risk on because the potential for him is through the roof in that Chiefs offense. Yeah, not definitely. I like that a lot. I think you don't really know who the true one is right now. Um, we saw guys like Kelsey last year struggling games where Tyree didn't play. So um, without him there this year, it's kind of – anyone's job to, to see who that wide receiver one's going to be. And we saw Mahomes spread it out a little bit more last year um, than he has in years past to different guys like Nicole. Um, so I'm interested to see how that goes. All right. Who do you got at the tight end position? Tight end is tough for me. Um, Jordan, you know, I've been big on this guy since we started our dynasty league. So I'm going to give him one more go at it. Irv Smith. Um, I know he was out all last year. He had some injury troubles his rookie year. Um, right. This is his third year in the league. Or this is his fourth. Third year in the league. Third. Oh, it might be fourth. No, I think it might be his fourth now, actually. Jesus Christ. Holy crap. Take a look. I think I think it is his fourth. But while you're looking that up, um, I know the, the Vikings offense, I know he is this is his fourth, okay. Yep. Um, but I know Vikings offense, I mean you obviously have so many weapons there. I know Thielen's on the decline a little bit, but he still has touchdown ability. Justin Jefferson, potentially wide receiver one this year. And KJ Osborne, they said looked good in camp this year. I know I picked him up in my playoffs last year and he was pretty solid is a good deep threat for them as well um and obviously dalvin cook as well but you see them like tyler conklin walk uh go to the jets uh, i think they have a lot of confidence in irv smith again not saying he's gonna be a top five tight end but where he's going i believe he's like the tight end 13 14 right now so in a 10 or 12 man league 
Um, he's definitely not a bad backup option. I think especially if you're someone that's looking at tight ends late, maybe like a Friar Muth, a Hunter Henry, somebody along those lines, I don't think it would hurt to uh, look into getting him the later rounds as a backup or maybe, you know, a tight end by committee. Um, Cause unless really tight end, I think is tough unless you have a guy like Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, um, even Waller, but I know he's had a lot of injury troubles. Um, trying to think Pitts obviously is going to probably have a good year this year, unless you have one of those four or five guys, Hawkinson, um, you know, it's really a tough position to fill. So if you're looking for value late and you're going after those skilled position players first, I think Irv Smith, this is a really make or break year for him with it being his fourth year and a year on his rookie contract. Um, and kind of him being the number one option at tight end, obviously probably in that offense, he's probably the number three or four option um, when it comes to the pass game, but still, I think for a tight end, that's good value. Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. Irv Smith is a big fence player for me. I think this is a guy who could either absolutely take off this year, or he's just going to plummet like he has not has been, but injury plagues the past two years. Didn't have that strong of a rookie campaign. Um, and even before his injury, he was doing pretty decent, but I just don't see him being that true guy, um, especially since he didn't really have last year to ease into the starting role. So I think this will be the year he does ease into it. And then if they do um, bring him back for his fifth year, then that could be the year. But uh, personally, I'm going to hold off on him another year. But if he does pop off, more power to you. That's a solid yeah. pick. Um, I'm going to go. So there's a couple ways you could go. You can go Mo Ali Cox, but Jelani Woods is a really solid rookie who could easily take snaps away from him. You could go Hayden Hurst for the Bengals, but then you have a huge packed receiving room with T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd. You could go C.J. Uzama, but then you got Tyler Conklin and Jeremy Rucker you got to worry about. So I think the perfect sleeper for tight end this year besides Albert O for the Broncos is David Njoku. Uh, besides Amari Cooper they and, and DVP, arguably, they have no real receiving threats on that team. And especially with Jacoby Brissett most likely starting for the entire season now at this point, depending on what happens with the Watson suspension, he's not going to be able to thread the ball downfield like we want to see Amari Cooper do. And I think we're going to get a lot of checkdowns and a lot of midfield crossing routes that are going to go to Njoku. And Njoku is not a guy who can just line up at traditional. He can line up in the slot. He can line up out wide. He's very fast. He's a good run blocker. Um, and this is the year that I think he could pop off. Now that Austin Hooper's gone and this is his team's a tight end to take over, we're going to finally see that first round potential that we've saw that we saw from him five years ago coming out of the draft. And he, he is prime for a big season. Yeah. I think that's a good pick. I mean, it's tough when you don't know who's throwing him the ball, but again, value probably going in the same, same stages of Irv Smith as well. So 100%. Um, I think that's good there. Um, kind of my flex, I guess other, I'm going to go other wide receiver here. Um, I'm going to go Christian Kirk. I'm going to go Christian Kirk for where he, again, where he's going in the draft. I think he's a solid flex option. I saw something the other day that um, Christian Kirk last year took 49% uh, of his snaps from the slot. I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that, Jordan, but does that sound accurate? I think it's more than that. I think he lined up in the slot more than any other receiver. I can actually find that right okay. now. Like, yeah, I, I was looking it up too. It said it was around 49%. So give or take, you know, between 50, somewhere between 45 and 50% of his snaps were, were in the slot. Um, in Doug Peterson's Eagles offense, the year that they won the Super Bowl uh, in 2017, I know they had a lot of options that year. They traded for Alshon Jeffrey. Um, they obviously had Nelson Aguilar. I'm trying to remember the other. They had Torrey Smith, I believe, on that team as well. Yep. Um, Nelson Aguilar ended up taking the most snaps from the slot out of those receivers. I believe he was at about 
38 or 39 percent of the snaps uh, mm-hmm. of, of his snaps were from the slot. Um, that year, he finished with 95 targets, 62 receptions, 768 yards, eight touchdowns. So not crazy numbers, but for a wide receiver, two or three option um, on a Super Bowl team with a guy like Carson Wentz throwing to you. I think those are pretty good numbers, especially for where Christian Kirk's going. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence, I'm not going to say he's better than Carson Wentz was that year because Carson Wentz was arguably the MVP till he tore his ACL. Uh, But I think Christian Kirk being the number one option in the slot, he's going to get a lot more targets in that offense. I think he's going to get well more than 95. Um, I think he's going to be up probably in the top 20, maybe even 15, maybe where Mooney was last year. Um, And if the the offense is, you know, executed correctly, I think he's going to be a good value you know, close to 70, 70 to 80 catches. Maybe he will hit that eight touchdown mark like Aguilar did. Um, and I think he's going to be a real value pick, you know, in the sixth, seventh round when you're looking for your wide receiver three flex um, and could, again, similar to Mooney, be a good wide receiver two option towards the end of year when you're making a playoff push fantasy wise. Could be for sure. Um, so according to PFF, Christian Kirk lined up in the slot 78.6% wow. of the time. That's not even number one in the NFL. Take a wild guess who number one was. Uh, last year? Yep. Debo? Debo was – he's not even in the top 20 there. from what I'm saying. Oh, I guess he was in the back. Debo actually lined up out wide a lot. Debo was 29.5%. Okay. He lined up out wide 67% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously in the backfield a good amount. Um, but number one was Cole Beasley at nearly 87%. Okay. That makes sense. And he actually played more snaps in the slot than Cooper Cup last year. Wow. So that kind of kills the Cooper uh, Cooper Cup is only good because he lines up in the slot. That kills that argument. Um, All right. So for my flex sleeper, part of me wants to say Tom Kennedy because I think he's going (laughs) to make the roster. And he's – I mean, he has the most yards of anyone in the preseason right now. He had an absolutely great night against the Falcons. Um, really solid there. I'm going to go Damian Pierce, another rookie. He's a running back. I know I put him on my rookie list, but as a sleeper, as a flex guy, this is a guy who could easily take the starting snaps from Marlon Mack. Um, I believe Rex Burkett is still there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so this is a guy who could be really solid. He's running back 42 right now on average across all fantasy rankings. Um, he's a great scheme fit for the Texans, especially a team that doesn't really have an identity. And he's a guy who can power and run right through you, or he can scoot and get to the edge. And we saw that in the preseason game. He had five carries for 40-something yards. Like, he's a threat, and he's a guy who's going to get a lot of touches as a rookie, um, especially towards the second half of the season. So as a sleeper, I would love to see people pick up Damian Pierce. Um, If I'm going with someone who's not on my initial list, Kadarius Toney. It's just too attractive (laughs) of a prospect to go after. Yeah, the injury troubles are one thing, but when he plays, he's the freakiest player on the field. So so the reason I laugh at that, Jordan, it's not because it's – well, a little bit because you said yeah. – <laughs> Two things, two things. So today I was watching actually a fantasy uh, season preview on ESPN. Just, I was eating dinner. Um, they had Kadarius Tony at number 38. And Mitch and I both said that you were going to be big on him without even knowing that because um, obviously it wasn't in your blog. Um, and then – in our fantasy group chat, um, I make fake teams for everybody. And I said Jordan would take the wide receiver 38 in the third round because we know he likes those value picks. Sure enough, guess who the 38th wide receiver was according to ESPN Fantasy Football? No other than Kadarius Tony. So 
Uh, Jordan, Kadarius Tony, um, have Adam in the third round in our league this year. Um, I, I will not be shocked at all. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not doing that this year. I, I've done enough of reaching in the past, right. but there yeah. is there is one guy I am eyeing to reach a little bit earlier. I'm sure you can guess who that is. Um, yeah. But we'll we'll say that for the draft. All right. Um, sharing my screen now with Jordan. Um, Jordan, I'm thinking we wrap up the regular season this week in our season predictor. We'll definitely next week because it's going to be the last time we record before the season starts. We'll go over MVP, all that stuff, uh, all the awards. We'll go over our Super Bowl and probably our division picks. But I'm thinking maybe we hold off on doing the playoffs until next week, too. Um, and we next can line it up weeks. two weeks. Sorry. Yeah. And then we'll line yeah. it up with what with what we actually have um, outside. So um, I think you did even weeks last time around. Correct. Uh, I thought I started with odds. That's what I mean. I did. I'll start this time with even is what I meant. Yeah, yeah you start. 10. You start. Um, just so everyone knows real quick, going to run through the standings, not not by division, just by conference. Uh, we got the Chiefs. And I'm not even going to go through record because that'll take too long. I'm going to go Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, Colts, top four, Pats, Chargers, Broncos, rounding out the playoffs, uh, Ravens, Dolphins, Raiders, Steelers, Jaguars, Texans, Titans, Browns, Colts, excuse me, Jets. Uh, in the NFC, we got Rams, Saints, Cowboys, Lions, rounding out the division leaders, uh, Bucks, Eagles, Cardinals, the last uh, three playoff teams, and then Packers, Vikings, Niners, Giants, Commanders, Panthers, uh, Bears, Falcons, and Seahawks. Jordan, I know we were assuming Deshaun was going to be suspended, obviously, the first six games. Are we going to assume he's suspended the whole season? I'm going to say let's assume he suspended the whole season because okay. either way, they're still only two and six. So That works with me. So week 10, we got Denver at Tennessee. I'm going to go Tennessee in this game. Um, I just like them at home. Jacksonville, Kansas City, I'm going Kansas City. Cleveland and Miami, going Miami. Mm. Um, let's see, Colts at Raiders. That is a tough game. I'm going to roll with the Colts, though, in this one. Um, mm. They're also a hot start in our um, pool here. Texans at Giants. I'll give the Giants the benefit of the doubt coming off a of bye week. Saints at Steelers. I'm going to give it to the Saints. I think the Steelers are going to start to trickle off at the end um, with Kenny Pickett probably getting that job and, and adjusting to NFL defenses. Uh, Vikings at Bill is going to go Buffalo. Uh, San Diego at San Francisco. Or San Diego. Wow. Holy wow. Uh, I didn't even know this out of first. Chargers at uh, 49ers. That's a Sunday night game. I'm going to go Chargers there. Uh, Falcons at Panthers, an absolute shit show of a game. Screw it. I'll give it to the Panthers. Uh, Lions at Bears. Screw it. I'm going to the Bears. Seahawks at Bucks. I'm going to go Bucks. Cardinals at Rams. Sorry, Jordan. I'm going Rams uh, at home. Cowboys at Packers. Going to give it to the Packers. I'm going to give them get the home field advantage there. Commanders at Eagles. Let's go with the road team in this one. I know we have the Eagles off to last start, but I'm going to go Commanders. Um, and that rounds out Week Ten. Sweet. All right. Let's see. We got Pat Jets at Pats. Pats. That's an easy pick. Uh, Browns at Bills. Give me the Billy boys. Raiders at Broncos. Give me the Raiders. They need to feel something. Let's see. Uh, big matchup. Chiefs at Chargers. I'm going to go with Chargers here in a surprising right. win. Chargers are home. All right. Uh, Bengals at Steelers. That's the Sunday night game. Bengals I'm going to go with Steelers here, actually. Bengals coming off the bye. Mm-hmm. Still right. on the road. It's tough. True. Thursday night football, Titans at Packers. Give me Titans. Commanders at Texans. Texans. So we got the Eagles at the Colts. Uh, Eagles. 
Panthers at Ravens. Ravens. Rams at Saints. Saints. I knew you were going to go Saints. Yep. Lions at Giants. Lions, they got to win one there. Again, six and four through ten. Uh, Bears at Falcons. Give me the Falcons. Cowboys at Vikings. Vikings. Uh, and then 49ers at Cardinals. That's Monday night. Uh, Cardinals. D-Hop's back at that point, and they're going to go on a run. At least I hope. They're going to go on a run. That's never happened in the last two years. Well, they went on one last year, but not at the second half yeah, of the yeah, season. Yeah. The wrong time. All right. Let's see for myself. Week 12. we got Thanksgiving games. Let's start with that. Bills at Lions. Oof. Tough one. I got to go Bills. I'd love to go Lions at home in this situation. Pats and Vikings, the Pats are going to need to win this game because I think we talked about it at the end of last time. They're going to have a tough stretch in uh, in December, so I think they pull off the Thanksgiving win against the Vikings. Um, where's the other? Oh, yeah, and the Giants and Cowboys. I'll go with the Cowboys um, on Thanksgiving yep. at home. Uh, let's see. Bengals at Titans. I'm going to go Bengals there on the road. They pull it out. Texans at Dolphins. I'll give it to the Dolphins there, too. Uh, Ravens at Jags. I'm going to go Ravens at this point. Uh, I think the Jags are going to start to fall off a little bit here. Uh, Steelers at Colts. I'm going to go Colts there. Um, let's see. We got a lot of lot of AFC versus NFC matchups this this week. Uh, Bears at Jets. We'll give it to the Bears. No, nah, actually, Jets at home. Give it to the Jets. Uh, Broncos at Panthers. I'm going to go Broncos. Bucks at Browns. I'm going with the Bucks. Raiders at Seahawks. I'm going to go with the Raiders. Chargers at Cardinals. Jordan, I'll buy into your run. I'll give it to the Cardinals. Rams at Chiefs. That's an interesting one. I think the Rams are just a little bit better there. Um, so I'm going to give it to the Rams on the road there. Uh, Falcons at Commanders. Um, I'll give it to the Commanders there. Saints at Niners. I'm going to I'm gonna go with the Niners in this one. And then Packers at Eagles. You know what? I'm going Eagles. Fly Eagles fly on this one. Wow. NFC is looking real tight. It is very tight. Um, yeah, Bills are the only nine-win team so far, 12 weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Week 13, first week of December. This is where it starts to get interesting. Let's go Thursday night. Bills at Packers. Patriots got to win that one. Oh, Leave okay. for the division. They're will, at home on yeah. Thursday. I will say, too, the night game last year, the Patriots won, and then they lost later in the season. So that puts the Patriots very similar to last year where they were with the Bills, 9-3 and three at the one seed in the AFC, very similar to where they were in the first week of December last year. And we know how that turned out. Freezing my ass off in Buffalo. Uh, let's go uh, Browns at Texans. The Deshaun Texans, Deshaun's not playing. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, Broncos at Ravens. I'm going to go uh, Ravens here. Okay, Ravens making a playoff push here. Uh, we got Chargers at Raiders. Raiders at home in a divisional game. Okay, and then Chiefs at Bengals, a rematch of the AFC Championship. Uh, Chiefs are going to route the shit out of the Bengals in that game. Got to get their revenge on them. Uh, yep. Let's go the Tyler Conklin Bowl. Jets at Vikings. Vikings, they need to make a push. Uh, Jags at Lions. I have the Jags winning this one. Okay. Uh, let's see. Steelers at Falcons. Uh, Steelers. All right. Titans at Eagles, the A.J. Brown Bowl. Uh, Eagles. Uh, Dolphins at Niners. Niners. Colts at Cowboys. Cowboys. Sunday night, Cowboys. Packers and Bears, another good Packers. Match. Packers on the road there. Commanders at Giants. Giants. Seahawks at Rams. Rammies. Uh, Saints at Bucks on Monday night. Uh, Saints. 
A lot of good divisional matchups that week in the NFC. Oh, yeah. And, and the AFC, if you include that Pats game. Yep. All right, week 14. Uh, let's see. We got Jaguars at Titans. Uh, Got to go with the Titans there. Jets at Bills. Going to roll with the Bills. Uh, Browns at Bengals. Got to go Bengals. Ravens and Steelers. I'm going to go Ravens again there. Um, I think they're going to make, again, a playoff push there. Dolphins at Chargers. Got to go Chargers. That's going to be a big game for them. I think that's going to have a lot of playoff implications to it um, there. Chiefs at Broncos. I'll give it to the Broncos at home. Give it to Russell Wilson. Um, let's see. Raiders at Rams. Going to go Rams again. I think the Rams are going to have a good season coming off as defending champs. Uh, Texans at Cowboys. I'm going to go Cowboys. Come back to that game, Jordan, in a second. Uh, Vikings at Lions. I know we've given the Lions a couple losses in a row here, so let's give this one to the Lions. Eagles at Giants. Going to go Eagles. Uh, Bucks at Niners. I'm going to give it to the Bucks, and then Panthers at Seahawks. I'm going to give it to the Seahawks. Give them their second one of the year here. Mm. And then Monday night, a big implication for me and Jordan. Uh, Pats at Cardinals. They're not going on a run. I'm sorry, Jordan. I gotta go Pats. Uh, I think it's gonna be tough. The Cardinals will. I think. I think it, that will be. I don't say that's gonna be the Patriots' last one of the season, but. It's going to be tough. That's Just want to point out, four weeks left, the Lions have the division lead over the yeah. Packers, and the Packers are the eighth seed right now. Uh, yeah, let, uh, real quick, playoff preview. Very interesting. we got the Rams, Saints, Eagles, Lions as the division leaders. Bucks, Cowboys, Cardinals as the playoff teams. Packers just missing. In the AFC, even closer, um, we have Pats, Ravens, Chargers, Colts, Bills five, Chiefs six, Bengals seven. That's an interesting five, six, seven. Um, Raiders, Dolphins, Broncos, all seven and six. And then at six and seven, we have the Steelers and Titans. So 12 teams competing for seven playoff spots. And you could even say we have the Texans at five, seven, and one, which I think is going to surpass a lot of people's expectations. Uh, four weeks to go. Let's kick it off. Uh, Ravens at Browns. Ravens. Uh, Dolphins at Bills. Dolphins. Let's go, Fins. Uh, Chiefs at Texans. Trap game, Texans. Damn, Texans making a playoff push here. Uh, Titans at Chargers. Titans. And then Pats at Raiders. The McDaniels. Pats. Pats, wow. Okay, I thought you were going to go against Pats since I gave it nope, to the Cardinals. I got Pats there. All right, 11-3. and three. I would love this. Holy crap. If they got uh, that, that'd be crazy. Let's see. Colts at uh, Vikings. Colts. I believe this game is being played in London. Um... Let's see. Steelers at Panthers. Panthers. Uh, let's see. What do we got here? Uh, Cowboys at Jags. This is the Broncos game from last year. The Jags are winning this one. Oh. Uh, Lions at Jets. Uh, ooh. Mm, let's get Jets another win. Lions just going to go. Throwing away the division. Cardinals at Broncos. I'm going to go Broncos. Russell Wilson has their number, and Cardinals DBs are dog water. Bengals at Bucks. That looks like a good matchup. Ooh, I'm gonna go the Bengals here just because the Bucks secondary and defense in general is not the same. All right, let's see. We got 49ers at uh, Seahawks. 49ers. Falcons at Saints. Saints. Both coming off bye weeks there. Giants at Commanders. Commanders at home. Eagles and Bears. Let's go Bears. Bears at home off a of bye, and then a big matchup here Monday night. Uh, Rams at Packers. Packers. Aaron Rodgers is not at losing. Home, yeah. Maybe the Packers will end up making that run you were talking about. 
Uh, week 16, the shitty Thursday night game. Jags and Jets. I'm going to go Jets. Uh, let's see. Saturday games start this week. We have was that? That's it. That's a, oh, that's because it's Christmas Eve. I was gonna say that's a lot of Saturday games. Um, but yeah. I realize most of them are on Christmas Eve. There's only three Sunday games. Also, NBA just released their Christmas Day schedule. We'll touch on late hits. Um, let's see. We got uh, Texans at Titans. I'm gonna go Titans. Bengals at Pats, that's going to be a good one. I think if the Pats are 11-3 and three at this point, though, I got to give the Bengals this game. Um, I, I think it's going to be a good game. Um, come down to the wire. Let's see. Raiders at Steelers. I'm going to give it to the Raiders. Uh, let's skip ahead a little bit. Uh, Bills at Bears. I'm going to give it to Buffalo. Uh, Seahawks at Chiefs. Let's go. Got to go Kansas City there. Ravens. Uh, excuse me. Falcons at Ravens. Going to give it to the Ravens. Saints at Browns. Going to give it to the Saints. Packers and actually let's let's keep going with christmas eve game sorry uh giants and vikings let's go vikings rams or excuse me lions at panthers gonna go lions commanders at 49ers i'm gonna go san francisco um wrapping up the christmas eve day games we got eagles at uh cowboys you know jordan no team has ever won the uh nfc east in back-to-back seasons since like i think it was like the eagles did in like 0506 um, yeah. so I'm going to go Eagles. I'm going to go Eagles over the Cowboys there. Christmas Day games, uh, Packers at uh, Dolphins. I'm going to go Packers. Uh, Broncos at Rams. I think that's a great matchup, but I am going to go uh, Rams there. And then Bucks at Cardinals. I think the Bucks will need this one since they're not leading their division. Um, and then Monday night, Chargers at Colts. I'm going to go Chargers. Hmm. Okay. Second to last week of the season. Uh, we got Broncos at Chiefs. Chiefs got to win this one, Chiefs. Got to win it. Uh, let's see. Jags at Texans. Texans. Uh, Steelers at Ravens. Ravens. Ravens making a run here. Yeah, they're on a roll. At Pats. Let's go Pats. Yeah, I think we went. I, I know it's that late season. Actually, it's that late season Dolphins game. Give it to the Dolphins. Damn, okay. Pats dropping down in the standings. And then Bills at Bengals. Another tough I think one. Bills are going to – defense is going to prevail. Bills on Monday night football. All right, and that last Monday night game of the year. And then we got Cowboys at Titans. Uh, Titans. Browns at Commanders. Uh, Browns actually here. Okay. Uh, Colts at uh, Giants. Colts. 49ers at Raiders. 49ers. Jets at Seahawks. Ugh. Uh, Seahawks. Seahawks there. Uh, Rams at uh, Chargers. Chargers. Uh, Panthers at Bucks. Bucks. Cardinals at Falcons. Cardinals need to win here. They do. Uh, Bears at Lions. Lions need to win there. Uh, Saints at Eagles. Give it to the Eagles. They've been playing good this year. Bush. And then Vikings and Packers. Give it to the Vikings. I don't see the Packers without Devontae winning the late season games. All right. Here it is. Last week of the year. Standings real quick. Bills. Ravens. Chiefs. Titans. Division leaders. Patriots, Bengals, Chargers. Um, I think the Patriots in this scenario have clinched a playoff spot. I think the Ravens have clinched a playoff spot and the Bills have clinched a playoff spot. We got Dolphins, Colts, nine and seven. No one else I think can make the playoffs with the Chargers having 10 wins. The seven seed. NFC a lot more interesting. We have the Saints and Rams tied for the one seed. Saints getting the tiebreaker there. Eagles third. Lions fourth into the last week of the season. And then wild cards, we got Bucks. Looks like they've clinched. Packers, Niners, both nine and seven. Vikings, Cardinals, Cowboys, all eight and eight. So depending on how tiebreaker scenarios work here, could have a wild week. 
It's all in my hands. Um, let's see. Chiefs at Raiders. I'm sorry, Raiders. Got to go Chiefs. I think they oh, – I just clicked tie. Never mind. Chiefs are going to win that game. I think they need to. The experience is there. Chargers at Broncos. I'm going to give to the Broncos. I think the Chargers choke again. I don't know what this does for their playoff hopes, but we'll see what happens. Um, let's see. Browns at Steelers. I don't think this game has any implications on anything. I think the Browns will tank for the number one pick to back when Deshaun Watson comes back. Um, so I'm going to go Steelers. Titans, Jags. Big game for the Titans. Will the Jags pull the upset like they did last year? I'm going to take the Jags at home. Very similar to what happened with the Colts last year. Uh, Ravens, Bengals. I'm going to go Bengals. Um, Ravens still win the division with this happening. Um, so I'm going to do that. Pats at Bills. I think that this, again, for the division, if the Pats were to win this game, they would. I have to go Bills. I think the Pats are going to win the division, but I don't want to ruffle any feathers there. Uh, Colts, I think, get revenge on last year. They beat the Texans. They get into the playoffs as the four seed at 10 and seven. And then Jets, Dolphins. I'm going to go Dolphins. I'm going to see what happens here. Do the Chargers miss the playoffs based on the tiebreaker? They do not. So the Dolphins at 10 and seven. Wow. This is like so fun. I mean, I wish everyone. All right. NFC. Whew. Cardinals at 49ers. Jordan, I'm going to give it to the Cardinals. They get nine and eight. They jump up to that seven seed, but we'll see what else happens there. Rams at Seahawks. The Rams need the one seed. Um, again, I think the Eagle or the Seahawks will be between them and the, uh, excuse me, the Browns for that number one pick. Lions at Packers, David versus Goliath. I have to go Goliath in this one. Have to go Packers. I'm sorry, Lions fans. It happens again. But right now they're sitting at the sixth seed. We'll see how the rest of these games go. Uh, Vikings at Packers. I don't, uh, Vikings are at eight and eight. Or sorry, excuse me, Vikings at Bears. I'm going to go Vikings. They need this game for the playoffs. That knocks the Cardinals out. But let's oh. see. What Panthers at Saints. I'm going to go Saints. We have the Saints at the one seed right now at 12 and five. Jameis, MVP maybe. Uh, Giants at Eagles. I think the Eagles continue to win. Cowboys at Commanders. I think the Cowboys win that. And the Bucks win week 18. So the Cardinals miss the playoffs again. We got Saints one. So let's, let's read off the playoff team. So we got... NFC Saints won at 12 and 5. Rams, actually, this is wrong. Oh no, head to head. Never mind. So Saints won at 12 and 5. Rams two at 12 and 5. Eagles three at 11, 5 and 1. Packers four at 10 and 7. Bucks five at 12 and 5. So we would get a Brady Rogers first round matchup. Uh Lions six at 9 and 8. Vikings also in the playoffs at 7th and 9 and 8. And all three Cardinals, Cowboys, and 49ers. Missed the playoffs at nine and eight. Wow. Cardinals just missed out. They all have the same conference record as the Vikings. So um, we have to go back. They play the Vikings this year because we probably picked the Vikings in that or the or the Lions even in that scenario too. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Lions have had the Cardinals numbers for years. I think they're five and one against them the past six seasons. So I wouldn't be shocked. Or no, I think they're five, zero and one against the Cardinals the past six seasons. So I wouldn't be shocked if that was the case. Um, If there's any team to take over the Cardinals in the playoffs, I'm happy it's the Lions. Um, Not the Vikings so much though. I'd rather see the 49ers and the Vikings. Yep. And then uh, just in the AFC real quick, Bills one at 13 and four, Ravens two at 12 and five. Um, Chiefs again, winning the division at the three seed 11 and six Colts, 
sneaking in there at 10 and 7 at the four seed. We got the Bengals at 11 and 6, getting the five. Patriots sliding down again, similar to last year, the six seed um, at 11 and 6. And the Chargers sneaking in at 10 and 7, just over the Dolphins as well. Um, and then Titans 9 and 8, Broncos 9 and 8, Raiders 8 and 9, all just missing as well. So we'll save this. We'll go over the playoffs next week when we have our season predictions as well, too. Um, so we will go from there. Um, anything else? I feel like we covered the NFL head to toe today. So yeah, pretty much everything um, solid there. Deshaun Watson, obviously, um, yeah, looks like yeah. he's going to be suspended a full year, but yeah, more to tell. Maybe it's only eight games. Who knows? Who knows? Um, on a good note, or don't say positive note. We talked about Bill Russell last time. The NBA is retiring his number across the league. It sucks when they do this stuff after it ha- takes someone to pass away for them to do this, but I am happy that they're doing this. I think it is called for, um, you know, it's only happened with two other players in, in the major four American sports, Wayne Gretzky and hockey. And then obviously for obvious reasons, Jackie Robinson in baseball as well. Um, NBA also is releasing their schedule as well. Kind of hour by hour. We know the Christmas day schedule, I think are the, I think the Sixers are playing the Knicks this year. Um, as I saw Bucks Celtics for the second year in a row, I know the Grizzlies are playing. I think there's a Lakers Mavs matchup in there. I want to say it's nuggets for Suns potentially as well, too. Um, I can't remember who the Grizzlies are playing. I know it's another playoff team, but yeah, if you want to pull that up, um, and yeah, I mean, that's really NBA. There hasn't really been too much going on. We still have no Kevin Durant, uh, is out there on the trade market. Um, I know he requested either Steve Nash and his coaching staff be fired or he gets traded. I've heard, even heard rumors that saying he'll retire rather than play another game for the Nets. So as a Celtics fan, I do not want him anywhere near this team, even if it means not giving up Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, or Jason Tatum. I know last time I said if we didn't give up any of the core four, I'd be okay with that trade. Um, now I don't want him at all. I think the Celtics are good where they are, two wins shy of an NBA championship. Um, good team chemistry, good coach. Um, don't want to mess it up too much there and getting Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari, uh, off the bench, I think are, are two key points for them as well. Sweet. Awesome. Uh, didn't want to bring up the 76ers and Ben Simmons did come to a confidentiality agreement, um, on his lawsuit against them for taking money from him, even when he was still active with the team, when he wasn't playing games. So there's that. Um, let me see the games. This article does not say what the games are. Let me pull up CBS. Let me see what they got to say. I could have gone to ESPN. So it's Warriors versus the Grizzlies. That's what it was, Warriors. Mavericks versus the Lakers. Nuggets versus the Suns. And then Knicks versus Sixers and Celtics versus Bucks. All right. It's a so. good. Knicks always play. Every Christmas, it seems like the Knicks are playing, no matter how bad they are. Uh, Quick trivia. I got one too, but you go first. Who is the only NBA team to not play a Christmas Day game? Oh. Is it the Charlotte Hornets? The New Orleans Pelicans? Where are the other two here on this list? I'll, I'll just keep it to those two. Is it the Pelicans it's or the is Hornets. it the Hornets? Yeah, it's the Hornets. I, the say, I think the Pelicans played this past year or two years ago with Zion. Um I was just rattling names off the top of my head. Okay. I have one for you, though. This this one, okay. I may have asked you this one before. I don't think I did, though. Okay. Sorry. You're good. Who is the only franchise without a 4,000-yard passer in franchise history? There's only one. Ooh. I'll give you four options. Is it Carolina Panthers, the New York Jets, 
the Chicago Bears, or the Houston Texans? So the Texans had Schaub, and he probably – oh, well, Deshaun Watson led the league in yards, so he definitely – Texans are out. Cam Noonan's MVP, I believe he clips 4,000 passing yards, so Panthers are out. It was the Jets and Bears were the other two. Jets. I know Brett Favre, his one year there, I don't know if he clips 4,000. Chad Pennington maybe did. Um, the Bears' only QB I could think of is maybe Jay Cutler. Who would have been the Bears' QB after Jay Cutler? Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky did have one decent season. I'm I'm going to go with the Jets. It was the Bears. Fuck. Bears. Who passed for 4,000 to the Jets? Uh, Joe Namath, actually. Are you – he had 4,000, bro? I had it here. Let me find it. And I meant to throw the Jaguars in there, too. Blake Bortles in that – in uh, 2015, actually, his rookie year through for 4,400 yeah. yards. Um, I thought that would have been the 2017 year. Let me – it was Joe Namath. I'm looking at the amount of yards he had. 4,007 <sighs> in a 14-week season as well – or 14-game season as well. That's impressive. Um, would have been 5,000 yards today. Uh, the Bears, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name now. Um, where is he? Uh, Eric Kramer uh, did not throw, well, didn't throw 4,000 yards. 3,838. So they haven't even had someone throw 3,900. Panthers, Cam Newton may have thrown 4,000 yards that year. I believe he did, but the, he's actually not number one in Panthers history for single season. It's Steve Berlin. Mm. 4,436 yards, 19 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. Never started a game after that season. Um, interesting enough. Um, and then Texans, yeah. Deshaun Watson, I believe Matt Schaub had a few years up there as well. Um, I know Deshaun Watson led the league in yards in 2020. Yeah. He was my number one QB that year, actually, yeah. based on yeah. performance. And he literally had no one to work with and lit it up. So, yeah. so. You know, cool. Sucks, sucks he abuses women, but that's okay. Yep. Uh, any, anything else you got? No, not really. Um, I'm excited to go through the playoffs and get our MVP predictions out there. Um, obviously we'll be getting right around the playoff corner for the MLB when we hop into it next time around. So it'll be exciting, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's sucks that summer's ending. Um, I'm going to the Kenny Chesney concert in a week and a half. And that's always when I go to that, I've gone to this be the third or fourth time going to it. And it always sucks because it's the end of summer. It's a great concert. We're ready to wrap, wrap it up. Um, but it's also par- personally one of my favorite times of the year because at play- MLB playoffs, you guys know that's my one, one when it comes to playoffs, uh, NFL, it's just the excitement, uh, fantasy drafts and weather's getting a little nicer out there, a little bit better to, to hang out after all this humidity. I know we're going to miss the humidity in like six months, but besides the fact it's a great yeah. time of the year, Shamrock's making a playoff push. So, yes, sir. um, yeah, no, it's, it's exciting times now. So, um, Jordan, you got anything else? No, I'm good, man. Signed it off. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, Go Shamrocks.